Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. But know this. Look at somebody and say, you better know this. But know this. In other words, you can hear if you really listen to the writer. He's trying to get your attention. He's wanting you to be aware of something. And he says, but know this, that in the last days, coronavirus will come. No. In the last days, perilous times will come. For men will become lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Sound like today? Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, I can do it without God, meaning haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness going to church but denying its power. And from such people turn. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3. It'll be up on the screen for your reading. The prophet Isaiah says this. You will keep Him, look at somebody and say, he's talking about you. You can look at me if you want. There's nobody to your left or to your right. You, meaning God, capital Y, you will keep him, meaning you, in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That word perilous that I read in 2 Timothy chapter 3 simply means difficult times, hard times, troubling times, kind of like the times that we're seeing right now in our nation. Death tolls rising, coronavirus spreading, young children against their parents, friends who've been super close for many, many years are dividing over whether they are on the left or right or red or blue. Did I say red or white? Excuse me, red or blue. Dividing over the, their different perspectives governmentally, their dispositions, their biblical belief systems. I've never seen the the nations of the world more divided than it is today. I don't know about you. But we are certainly living in perilous times, difficult times. The reason I read that second verse about peace is because it has everything to do, although it seemingly looks like two polar opposite subjects, it's really not. Because you can have peace in perilous times. There is a way that you can maintain peace with others and peace with God no matter the circumstances. If it wasn't possible, it never would have been stated. When I think of that word peace, we think of it in terms of 
peace only existing in our lives if a few things are at work. Our bills are paid. Our mortgage is paid. Our kids are behaving. Say amen, Cohen. His eyes went cross-eyed. Our job is secure. Our 401k is in good standing. We go to church on a regular basis, so we're good with God. We're in good health. Everything is going okay in the nation. Sometimes we believe the lie that peace cannot exist where chaos ensues. And I would agree with that, except for when I really read the scripture. You have to really read it when you read it. Because when Isaiah is saying this in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, Isaiah's nation is being turned upside down. People are being sold. Their, their nation is being taken from them. And you have the nerve, Isaiah, to say, I can be in perfect peace if my mind stays on him. Yes, you can have chaos all around you and still be at peace. You can have your kids acting up and being disobedient and still be at peace. Yes, we have an 18-year-old, so yes, I do know what I'm talking about. 18 to 2. You can be at peace in the middle of job loss and financial ruin. You can be at peace even if you're not getting along with your spouse. You can still be at peace in the middle of COVID-19 and having to wear a mask. Come on, somebody should say amen to that. Today, I want to preach from a subject entitled, Peace in Perilous Times. Everybody say, Peace in Perilous Times. Now, I'm assuming you all want to know, Pastor, please give me some principles because that sounds all nice and great. I know that's what the scripture says, but give me a few principles that will help me to walk in a spirit of peace in the middle of chaos, in the middle of perilous times, in the middle of COVID-19, in the middle of everything that's going on in the nations of the world. But I can't tell you on how to get peace until I first start with a very important point. And that's how to avoid peace parasites. Everybody say peace parasites. Parasites are what eats at the immune system. And there are things in our lives, in your life, in my life, in spite of you being a child of God, in spite of you trusting Jesus as Lord, each and every one of us has propensities to sin and things in our lives that act like parasites to our spiritual well-being and our spiritual peace that we must come against and that we must deal with. And one of those things are mistrust. Mistrust is a parasite. Everybody say mistrust is a parasite. If the devil cannot corrupt you or keep you from serving God, he will try to remind you of how many times God has let you down. Oh God, that's good. Now I know that when we come in on Sunday mornings, we all put our church face on. Come on, you know you have a church face. Oh, you don't have a church face? I have a church face. We all have church faces. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? You have church clothes, church face. We speak, uh, oh, you know, you're saying one thing to the spouse when you're on your way to church in the morning, but when you get to church, you start speaking Christianese. How are you doing today knowing you guys just fought and you're not doing good? You're like blessed and highly favored. I'm chosen, not frozen. 
We use all these diff- this different type of lingo to make people think that we're at peace when we are really not. Can I tell you one of those parasites that begin to eat at our faith and our trust in God and begin to rob us of our peace is first and foremost our trust in God. You know what's sad to me, and this is a true reality, and especially in these times, we really have to find the secret place with God because I'm finding out, you would think as you get older, you get wiser and you get just better and you get more spiritually healthy. But as I'm growing and I'm getting older myself and have a little bit of, I know you can't see it, a little bit of graying going on in my beard. That's why I keep my beard short. It only happened after I started the church. I'm just kidding. After a while of serving God, if you're not careful, disappointment after disappointment, relational dysfunction after relational dysfunction, spouse after spouse in some cases, issue after issue, trial after trial, you will begin to count more of your defeats than you do your blessings. And that is a parasite that will ultimately squelch and kill your faith and cause mistrust between you and God. Yes, you can still show up to church and mistrust God. Come on, just look straight ahead. Yes, you can love God and mistrust him. But when you're perfecting in his love, it casts out all fear and will establish peace in your life. So stay away from those little voices in your head that try to get you to count up what God didn't do in your life. Do you know what a banner is? So in, in, the, in the Old Testament, what they would do is there was this thing called a standard. Remember this scripture that says, um, the Lord will raise up a standard against the armies? Does anybody ever heard, has anybody ever heard that word, a standard? Now, in our, word, in our world, a standard is like a principle. Well, in biblical times, a standard was a banner that someone would take and they would write on this standard. They didn't have pens and things like that back in those days. They used chisels and a hammer. And what they would do is they would engrave on that, on that banner or that standard all the previous victories God had given them before going into battle. And they would put a couple of people on the front line of that battle and they would hold that banner up. So listen, when the devil tries to remind you of all the defeats and the difficult things that you've been through that you think God didn't bring you through, come on, say amen. When the devil begins to whisper those defeats, you know you tried to buy a house before, and financing fell through. You, you, you know, you know you, you've been married before. This isn't going to work. People have hurt you before. God is not good. God's a taker. God's not a giver. What you do is you begin to write on the tablet of your heart all the great things God did do so that you can overcome those feelings of defeat and fear. So we have to be careful about the parasite of mistrust in God because it will ultimately kill your fear and will, and will ultimately keep you from moving forward in God. The Bible says anything that is not of faith is sin. And here's where God works. He works in the realm of faith, not fear. And guess what fear is? It's faith in reverse. So if you fear something, you're more apt for that very thing to happen because you're using an opposite principle. Because if it works moving forward, it move, works moving backwards. Look at somebody and say, don't be afraid. Look at somebody else and say, trust God. And listen to this. This may be controversial. I almost didn't write this down. People 
can be spiritual parasites in your life. Oh, I know I was going to get some woes. And, and, and they're, they're, you know what? I avoid Facebook to a huge degree because there are certain people I love that after reading certain posts that they post, I may not love them as much. Come on. Somebody say amen to that. So we have to, we have to be careful about allowing people to become parasites in our life spiritually that will squelch your trust in God and your trust in them. Because right now, more than ever, Satan is using your friends, using your family to cause great divide with you and them, with them and you, and with other friends and family members. So we have to be keenly aware that Satan uses people just like the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit uses people, Satan uses people to cause defi- uh, discouragement, causes division, and all the rest in our lives. But be careful that the enemy doesn't use somebody to be a spiritual parasite in your life that would squelch God's perfect will in your life. In Hebrews chapter 12, is everybody awake this morning? Hebrews chapter 12 says this. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 through 15. Pursue peace with some people. Can we put that verse up on the screen? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 through 15. Okay, I'll read what it says. It says this. Pursue peace with all people. Everybody say all people. Pursue peace, meaning we have to do something. Peace doesn't just show up unannounced. Peace has to be pursued. Now watch this. I'm going to read it again. Pursue peace with, everybody say all. Everybody say all. All people and holiness. Oh, I could preach on that. Without that, no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. And by this, many people become defiled. Peace is elusive. Peace does not pursue you. Did you know that, Christian? Peace does not pursue you. We must intentionally and aggressively pursue peace. Oh, God, help me. You know what I wrote as a quote? The heart reflects what the mind meditates. The heart reflects what the mind meditates on. You can write that down. In other words, if you have anxiety and you have unrest or there was some kind of depression in your life, that is an indication that there was a parasite at work in your spiritual life that we have to deal with. Be careful what you think. Look at somebody and say, think about what you think. If you would just think for a minute about what you think about. Listen, if you want peace, you have to stay away from parasitic things that rob you of your peace in your life. Listen to me. Oh, I'm going to tell you a quick story. You ready for a story? So this was really bad. I love seafood. If you don't, I'll pray for you at the end of service. It was almost a deal breaker for me and my wife. Like we almost didn't get married. When she told me that, I mean, like all the other stars lined up. It was fine until she said, you know, I don't like seafood. I said, well, we're going to have to rethink this. In spite of the confirmations, I just didn't know how that was going to work. She was going to complain, complain about my crab leg smell when I'm cooking crab legs or you know, my, 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 all these other seafoods that I, that I love to eat. How many like snow crab in the house? Well, she doesn't. I mean, I had to pray and fast about that after she told me that. 
So we go to this restaurant, and as a loving wife, and she does, you know, uh, she, she doesn't like to go to these restaurants, but she does it for me. And so we go to this restaurant. It's a really good restaurant. And we sat down, and we ate, and I ate um, scallops. And I love scallops. I love scallops, crabs, but it was, it was comprised of many different things. There was some whiting. There were some scallops. There were just, it was a variety. It was a big plate. And um, the, day, the next day, I woke up with food poisoning. And I've never gotten food poisoning. I mean, my mom used to sit me up on the, the oyster bar. Don't know, you can we talk to her later about that. Six months old, putting you know, oysters in my mouth. And so I grew up with a taste for seafood, like really bad. Had some this past week, bit into a, um, a pearl. So I find them all the time because I eat so many of them. And so, not trying to gross you out, but he, so here's what happened. I go home and I am as sick as a dog. I mean, I'm literally like bedridden, pretty much. Stomach pains the whole nine yards. And, and you never really know what you got food poisoning from. Are you guys like me? Like you start backtracking, what did I eat that day? But then when you see a certain food, it's almost like intuitively you knew it was that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So, and here's how I knew, because I love seafood, but when I would smell seafood, it was like my gut knew that it came from those scallops. Listen to me, here's my point. If you get off of Facebook, after you're done being on there for an hour or two, and you're feeling bad, or you're feeling angry, stop going on there so much. Or begin to detox from it just a little bit. If every time you get off of Instagram, you're wanting to call someone and argue about who's right and who's wrong, and it just causes argument and division among you and your peers or your friends, start detoxing from the social media. So here's all I'm trying to say is be aware of yourself on how you feel when you engage in certain things. There are certain Kinds of music I don't listen to. Not because all the lyrics are necessarily bad, but they're not healthy. And, you, and when you listen to a certain type of music, what it does is it begins to set a certain atmosphere or gives you some type of thinking after you listen to it, or it puts you in some kind of mood. You can't tell me that after listening to certain songs that say certain things about men and women or certain types of lifestyles that you want to worship God after you listen to that. Come on, y'all ain't talking to me this morning. She said, amen. Our spirit is a filter. And when we engage in certain things, I'm not saying Facebook is bad. Seafood's not bad all the time. She said, yes, it is. Cohen said, uh-oh. When you feel certain kind of ways after engaging in certain types of conversations, stay out of those conversations. If you know where you're going to end up because you've gone through it so many other times, especially politically right now, do you know I will not get in any political debates or wars on Facebook? I just won't do it. I refuse to do it. We just look at somebody and say, don't go there. Some of us need to spiritually detox from Facebook for a day or two. I intentionally do not do any really scrolling. I'll post stuff. It's like throw the rock and hide. I'm good, though. I don't, I, you know, I'm not mean. But if you feel bad the time you get off, it's because you're digesting unhealthy things. 
Listen. Look at somebody and say, listen to pastor. Fear is the greatest weapon on your faith. And COVID-19 has riddled people with fear. It has been more than just um, a disease or a pandemic. It has become a parasite in our spirituality, in our thinking. It's wreaked havoc in our friendships, in our relationship, in our government. It's divided, divided families. It's divided friends and all the rest. Isn't it funny how protesting in crowds is okay? But gathering for worship is not so much. Have you thought about that? Why do I say that? Because the devil knows revival is coming to this nation. So his goal is to hinder the public gathering so that the momentum for revival is hindered. Does everybody see that? I'm not saying that there's not a real pandemic out there. I'm not saying that there's not a real COVID-19. There was something that was very real, especially in the beginning. But I got a feeling after November, it's going to magically disappear. And listen, I'm not saying the power is in the building and fill our churches up again. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying, the power is not in the building, it's in the gathering. The power is in the gathering. Where two or three are gathered, there I am, Jesus said, in the midst of them. What, anything or something? Anything that they ask in unity will be done for my Father in heaven so that he is glorified and that we are satisfied. And so what the enemy wants to do, here's what I found out. So I, I came out from underneath, you guys have heard me before say this, 10 years, I came out from a, underneath a deliverance ministry. So if you don't believe in demons, you hang around me for a little while. It's not... I watched physically people be delivered. I was delivered at 17 years old. I had a lot of different things going. I, I engaged in stuff the way I grew up, things I've seen. I was battling with some spirit. I mean, I was, I was battling. I needed deliverance. And so I go to this service, and I literally, my skin is crawling. I couldn't hardly be in the service. And I said, what is this? I mean, there was a manif something manifesting through me. I had friends. I have friends that are worship leaders. They've recently called me. And they said, Donnie, you're right. I was battling with this. And he said, as I was going through, I'm talking about, I'm talking about known people who are walking with the Lord, who are battling spiritually with demonic powers. Everything that you're seeing in the nation, that's a, that's a spirit at work in the nation. And so I came out from underneath this ministry seen lots and lots of things happen. And um, so that, I was exposed to that really early on. So I always had a sensitivity to the spirit realm, right? Everybody with me? Y'all looking at me like I'm blue. And so here's what I'm trying to say is that there was recently um, a warlock and some witches that were coming together to pray in the city. There was a gathering and so they used to go on Facebook and announce it. And then they went through, to, through this channel of a private chat. And they said, the last time we did that, the churches down the road were praying and we didn't, couldn't get our job done. What I'm trying to say is that if we, if we squelch or we hinder the gathering where the saints can't come together and pray, the enemy can ensue and he can get his will done in the earth. 
or in our families or in our communities. So it's so important that we come together and pray in unity because where two or three come together in the Lord, praying, seeking his face, calling fire down, whatever we gotta do, God's will comes down. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not the enemy, not the government, not the systems of the world, not our will, but his will. Amen? And so that's what the enemy's wanting to hinder. He's wanting to hinder the gathering. This is one of the parasites in the nation right now. He's wanting to hinder the gathering. Is because that's where we come. It's how we come together and meet God in a special way. It's where we come together in fellowship, like the Bible says. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell, dwell together in unity. That's what the Word of God says. And how we come together to honor His Word by not forsaking ourselves gathering. We have to be careful to not allow social distancing to bring a sense of false peace. Can I just talk about false peace for just one moment? Do you know there is such a thing as false peace? Because even the more we're... And listen, I'm all for wearing masks respectfully. Let me just say that right now. And going in the store with a mask. I I, I didn't at first. The Lord's working on me. He's looking at somebody and saying, the Lord's working on me. What I mean by a sense of false peace is the more I think that we give in to a lot of different things that we're saying that that are saying we should do, the more fear is welling up in the people. The more people are impulsively, and I believe in washing hands, but the more that we're giving in to these things, we are feeding fear, and we're just getting more and more afraid. Now it's to the point where we don't even want to. We're hesitant on hugging our loved ones. We're hesitant on going certain places. Be wise, but don't be fearful. Be wise, but don't be fearful. Look at somebody and say that with conviction. Be wise, but do not be fearful. Wash your hands, but don't let it keep you from loving someone. And listen, this is just me talking. If I can go and push a cart in Walmart and rub elbows with 300 people, I can put my hands on my lap quietly and worship in church quietly. Did you know that in California they banned external worship without being able to sing out loud? They said you cannot sing out loud. At first, I was, I was like, okay, this is not persecution, but we have to keep our eyes open to what's happening in the world today. I don't care if you have to be like Daniel and open your window and worship in your house. We will not shut the house of the Lord down. We're going to keep worshiping. We're going to keep pursuing Jesus until he comes back. Amen. Number two, the power of peace. I'm going to talk about the power of peace. Everybody say the power of peace. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 says this. He who is slow to anger, watch this, is better than the mighty or the strong. Love this scripture. And he who rules his spirit or has self-control, who's not fearful, but who's at peace. And he who rules his spirit, then he who takes a city. Listen, don't allow today's current events to dictate the level of your peace. You don't have to control, excuse me, you don't have to control we don't have the control that, uh, of things that are happening in the world, but we do have control of our peace of mind. Does everybody understand that? And you might say, Donnie, well, that's easier for you to say. All pastors have it easy. <laughs> I almost couldn't even get that one out before I laughed. 
I did a, I was looking up statistics early this morning, about four or five this morning. I get up really early. Um, I was looking up these, these statistics about pastors. So before you judge the fact that we all have it all right and we just put sermons together and wait for you guys to come on Sunday morning, let me just kind of give you some statistics here to encourage you that you can maintain peace no matter what's going on around you. No matter how many pressures, no matter what's going on, doesn't matter if it's school, it doesn't matter if it's work, it doesn't matter if it's spousal, it doesn't matter if whatever it is, you can maintain peace. 75% of pastors are extremely stressed or at least highly stressed. 90% work between 55 and 75 hours, two weeks of worth of work in one week. 90% feel that they're grossly underpaid. I don't feel that way. 40% report a series, a serious conflict with parishioners at least once a month. 40%. 80% will not be in the ministry 10 years from now. Only a fraction make it a lifelong career. 100% out of 1,050 uh, uh, different pastors or ministers, reformed and ev evangelical pastors, had at least one colleague who left the ministry because of burnout, church conflict, or moral failure. 91%. 91% have experienced some form of burnout in ministry, and 18% say they are fried to the crisp right now. And can I tell you this? Some of this may be true, but I can tell you this. I am still able to maintain peace, not because this couldn't be a reality in my life, but because I have learned one key. That key is the secret place. That's how you maintain your peace. If you don't have any secret place, you can't maintain your peace. Everybody say the secret place. What is the secret place? Those who abide under the shadow of the Almighty, they'll be in perfect peace. They will be at rest. Those are the people that can keep their sanity in the midst of a chaotic world. You know, this world says you, if you have um, money, you have power. But can I tell you this? The Bible says that if you have peace, you have power. A power that many people do not possess. Can I tell you a story? I have a some clientele that I've been dealing with lately. I pray they're not watching. One of these clients has about an $800,000 home. It's not, it's a, it's a beautiful, it is a beautiful home. And um, they recently called me and we had recently done some renovations for the home and it's a designer home. The short story is, this is maybe this was four or six months ago. She just recently called me. She bought it four to six months ago. And she says, we have to sell this home. And we have to downsize to a 2,000 square foot home. This person began to proceed to ask me if this was God's perfect will. And my heart melted. She said, Donnie, is this God's perfect will for this to happen? I'm about to lose my $800,000 house. I'm going to move into a 2,000 square foot. I said, listen, you know what God's perfect will is? for you to have peace. Would you rather have pleasure with chaos and stress or would you have rather have a little with peace? Here's what Proverbs said. I believe it's in Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. It says, better to have a morsel of bread 
with quietness and peace than to have a whole feast and a large home and all these different things with trouble. Would you rather have just a little with peace or would you rather have a lot with stress? I don't know about you, but I choose peace. Look at somebody and say, I choose peace. I was sitting on the front porch with this gentleman. He's a multimillionaire. He's a friend of mine that I call every now and again. And we talk. He's in his late 70s. And he doesn't have a house. It's not a house. It's an estate is what it is. It's 18,000 square foot. You can't take a photo of it. You'd have to stand a couple blocks back to, to get the photo. So he's someone I go to for advice for business. And I'm someone he comes to for advice about God. You see the relationship? If the only wisdom you glean from is from people who just... Anyway, I'll leave that alone. Because there's some Christians who don't know how to, come on, manage their own checkbook, less, much less you know, run a business, right? So this is someone I go to because he has business sense. And so I minister to him in the Lord. And so we sat down and we were talking. And after he told me all of this, these different keys to use, and it was about an hour, at the end of the conversation, and he has money that can buy a block and you buy the city, one of his businesses sold for $10 million, he told me. Just one. He said he sold many. And um, at the very end, I knew it was coming. He said, Donnie, I'm afraid. He said he has a lot of precious metals and you know, gold, silver and things like that. He, he said, I think everything is going to crash. And he was just telling me how fearful he was. And it opened the door for an opportunity for me to be able to minister to him. And you know what I found out? is that you can only trust or experience peace to the degree that you know God. You can't have peace if you don't know the Prince of Peace. And so you can have all the money, all the pleasures, all of the accruements that life has to offer and still not be in perfect peace with God. So stay away from the peace parasites and, and know that, that peace, power comes when you're at peace. You can make better decisions, more adequate decisions, healthier decisions, wiser decisions when you're at peace. How many, of, how many people do you know that have made great decisions when they're afraid? You can't make great decisions when you're afraid. You can't make great choices for your family or for your own life for that matter when we're in fear and when we're afraid. Listen what Romans says. Is everybody okay out there? Don't go to sleep on me. I'm getting somewhere. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says this. For to be carnally minded, it's another word for earthly minded, to be earthly minded, too earthly minded, is death. But to be spiritual minded is life and peace. Now listen to me. If you have an earthly perspective, you will only have moments of peace that this world can, because this world has limited resources. It can, it can only supply uncertainties because it's ever-changing and ever-evolving. All the time. However, when you have heaven's perspective, you will have an unshakable peace because your faith and trust is built on something that's everlasting and will never, ever, 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 ever change in your life. Look at somebody and say, build your faith on God. Listen, what, listen to this quote by Chris Volatin. I just learned about him. He says this, what you believe about the end has everything to do with how you behave in the middle. 
What you believe about the end has everything to do with how we live in the middle, how we live in the now. Do you have heaven's perspective? Do you have God's perspective? Are you at peace this morning? I can assure you that no matter what you're going through in your life, it doesn't matter what it is, if you have heaven's perspective, you will be at peace. Because when God sees an empty tomb, excuse me, when we see an empty tomb, we see hopelessness. We see a dead Savior, but when God sees a tomb, he sees a resurrected Savior. He sees hope for the nation. He sees salvation. When we see five loaves and two fish, we see our limitations. We can't feed hardly 10 people off of that. When God sees that, he sees multiplication. He sees that we're able to feed 5,000 people with just a few loaves of fish and bread. We have to have heaven's perspective, especially now. We have to stop allowing the enemy to use our mouths to talk about all the negativity that's happening in the nation. Can I tell you this? The nation can't get better unless things get kind of keep going in the way that they're going. It will eventually stop. But here's what I mean by that. I said this the other week, that, that, that the snake begins to wiggle its tail when his head is being stepped on. We are living in a time and season of great exposure. Somebody say exposure. Great exposure where evil, all kinds of evils are being exposed because if it doesn't get exposed, it can't be dealt with. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. Number three, I'm going to be done in just a moment. Look at somebody and say, make peace. Here's what I mean by that. There are, and I know we've heard this before, there are peacekeepers and there are peacemakers. I used to be a peacekeeper. But let's be honest, that peacekeepers are never at peace. They're never at peace. Because you know you always feel kind of some, some kind of way when you see that person that you're trying to keep the peace with. You've never addressed what they've done. You've never addressed what they've said. And you always feel some kind of way. Oh, look at you. You should see your faces. I want to take a picture. Does everybody know what I'm saying right now? There's a difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. God does not call us to be peacekeepers. It's not in the Bible. Peacekeeper is not in the Bible. You can be your brother's keeper, but there is no peacekeeper. In Matthew chapter 5, it says this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Listen, make peace. Don't wait for peace to show up in your life. Look at somebody and say, make peace. Peacemakers always have peace. Peacekeepers never do. Listen, when and if there is something that happens between me and another person, I am so not the one to sweep it under the rug. I'm also not combative because there's a difference. We're supposed to walk in love. Come on, somebody say amen. But I'm not the one to sweep it under the rug all in the name of keeping peace. I'm just, that's not my personality. I used to be that way because I'm called to make peace. Somebody say make peace. My wife laughs because she's kind of a little bit of the opposite. If someone offends her, you know, you can be kind of avoidant a little bit. But if I know somebody has ought with me, I go out of my way to go hug them. Just make them feel uncomfortable a little bit. I just, hey, how you doing? Kiss them on the cheek. Because I want to deal with it. I want to get it out in the open. Why? Because I don't want to lose my sleep at night knowing that somebody has something in their heart against me. That's not real peace. Just because you go to sleep at night doesn't mean you have peace. So what I do is I go out of my way to make sure I maintain perfect peace in my life if I've offended or if somebody has offended me. 
Much of what we call peace, like I said earlier, is only false peace. And what you're seeing in the nation of the world, we're, we're, what we're talking, thank you, Holy Spirit. I hear a lot of this talk of, man, I just wish we would get back to normal. You need to repent. I don't hope that. Here's what I do hope. I hope we will get better, and we will get better once all these issues are addressed. Because what we were experiencing before wasn't true peace. Because there was so much going on behind the scenes. Do you know how much trafficking has been going on? Do you know how many drug deals are going on? Do you know how, do you know how much is going behind the scenes, the greed and the love of money and the corruption? We want to go back to that? Absolutely not. We need somebody in office that's going to turn the tables like Jesus did in a loving way and expose the great evils that have been there forever so that we don't just keep peace. Just because our world is good doesn't mean that the world is good at large. Just because it's not affecting us doesn't mean we're in a good place. So I pray in Jesus' name that every table gets turned over until true peace can come back to America, the peace that it was founded upon, the principles that it was founded on, the justice, the righteousness, the truth, the integrity that it was founded upon at one time. Somebody ought to give a hand clap for at least that if you believe it. When someone hurts you and you keep it inside, is that truly peace? When a husband and wife don't talk together, you know, talk with each other for three days and they go to sleep on that every single night, all in the name of keeping peace, is that true peace? Me and my wife have never gone to bed angry. We've stayed up for five days in a row, but we've never went to bed angry. You young kids, when you get married, you'll understand that. When someone talks behind your back about you, and you're offended with them, and you walk by them and have a certain something in your heart every time you see them or think of their name or see their caller ID come up and you avoid it, is that true peace? Be a peacemaker. Pursue peace. God uses us to change atmosphere, atmospheres through our lives by going and making peace. I refuse to allow knowingly that somebody has something against me or if I have something against someone, we'll sit down. Even if, it, even if I lose the relationship, even if we lose the friendship, at least you can go to bed at night knowing that you tried to reconcile it and make peace. You can at least have true peace with that. Amen? Look at somebody and say, make peace. Number four, and I close. The worship team can come up if they like. Peace produces presence. You want to know why people have no presence? Does everybody know what I mean by presence? I mean his presence. Because we can love God. We can read his word. We can show up to church every Sunday and not have his presence. He's omnipresent. So let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me work on that for a minute because I have to th be theologically sound when I make a statement like that. He is omnipresent. Does everybody know what omnipresent means? It means God is everywhere all at one time. Simultaneously, he's everywhere. He has an all-seeing eye. But there's a difference between him being present everywhere and then having his presence in your life, active. Do you know why most people don't have the presence of God working through their lives? It's because they have no peace. And peace, his peace, produces presence. Do you have peace this morning? 
real peace. Do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with people? The nation can be in shambles, but you can be at peace no matter what's happening, no matter what's going on. Peace isn't just another name that he has, the Prince of Peace. It's his essence. It's his character. And you know what peace is in our life? It's, it's, a, it's a thermometer. It's a thermometer. It, it, it's revealing to you the temperature of your relationship and your trust with him. When you sense fear and anxiety, anger, all the rest, that's a temperature gauge to let you know you've stepped out. You've stepped away because perfect love casts out what? All fear. When his love is perfected in you, you can be at peace no matter what you're facing. No matter what challenges are in front of you. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name, listen, his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Stand to your feet. You know why the enemy fights you and me so much in this area of depression, fear, and anxiety and mistrust? Because he knows that God can't accomplish much through you when you're in fear and when you're out of the realm of peace. Does everybody understand that? I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you lacking peace in any area of your life? Are you lacking peace in this pandemic? Are you lacking peace in your, about your finances? Are you lacking peace in any of your relationships? Are you lacking peace about your life, not knowing what's going to happen in the world, in your own personal life? Are you lacking peace? You know what Reinhard Bunke said? He said, you can breathe in the air of heaven even if you live at the gate of hell. Did you hear that? You can breathe in the air of heaven while standing or living near the gate of hell. If I told you guys some of the challenges that I go through privately, but when I do, I just get closer to him breathe him in. I've had legal things happen. I've had all kinds of issues. But the key is staying close to him and staying in a place of peace. And you can't be at peace unless you're close to him. Jesus was in the sleep, in the bow. He was in the stern, asleep, while a tornado was happening. The Bible says, in hurricane winds. And he was asleep. And the disciples begin to cry out. Don't you care? You know what I think? I think we cry out way too late. <laughs> because the Bible says they didn't start to try to wake up Jesus until, it was, until they were sinking. The, water was, the, the boat was taking on water. They were beginning to sink. And then they cry out. And I quote, 
Master, do you not care that we are perishing? Yes, he cares. He cared the whole time. And he'll allow us to drown until we cry out. And then like Peter, he reaches his hand out. Like Jesus did, reaches his hand out to Peter. And he grabs him up and he lifts him up out of the water. That's what God wants to do in our lives today. If we will cry out to him. If we will simply cry out to him. You can live and breathe heaven's air while standing at hell's gates in spite of the chaos. And that's my prayer for you this morning. If there's any area of your life where you're lacking perfect peace, I just want you to take a deep breath right now. Just take a deep breath. Breathe it in. Breathe in heaven's air. Peace in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.